are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I want you to look at Acts chapter 1, and I'll hurry along tonight and kind of give you my outline. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 14. The Bible says these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. And then turn over in Acts chapter 2 and look at verse number 22 through verse 24. Acts 2 verse 22 through verse 24. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate for counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of them." Then I want you to turn over another page, Acts chapter 2, and look at verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. The same day were there added unto them about 3,000 souls. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, and breaking of bread and prayers. Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and in breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now I want us to have a word of prayer. Dear Father, I want you to make me a blessing for the next few minutes now. And I pray that you would just give me what I need to say tonight. And may the Holy Spirit of God use the Word of God to bring about in our lives what's needed. Lord, you know, many of these people are tired and worn out. But I pray you'd refresh us tonight. And Lord, may we be encouraged and may we be challenged, Lord, uh, to just stand true to Thee. Continue to bless tonight. Bless these many sick folk. Uh, bless Mrs. Osborne in the passing of her husband today. God bless her uh, as he was buried today. And then, Lord, I ask you to uh, continue to bless the sword. I thank you for these who have given, who pledged to give tonight. And, God, I pray that you continue to work. And may that need be met. We shall thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight I want to talk to you for a few minutes, and I just about have to give you my outline. Uh, but I want to talk to you about the First Baptist Church in Jerusalem. Now you might say, how do you know it's a Baptist church? Well, they preach salvation by grace. Don't we Baptists do that? Sure. And uh, we baptize people after they're saved. We be believe in eternal life. And, and uh, we believe in the rapture. And so uh, this church here was the first church in Jerusalem. And you know, folks, I believe what the Bible teaches us will still work today. And you've heard a lot of good preaching this week, but what we need to do is put it in practice, you know. And uh, let me just first of all remind you of the beginning of this church here. 
this church began with prayer. Now, you remember about uh, in Acts, I mean, in Luke chapter 9, if you remember one day John said to Jesus, we've seen people casting out devils in thy name, but we didn't forbid them because they were not with us. And Jesus said, now wait a minute. He says, if they are for us, they can't be against us. Then you remember on another occasion as he set his face to go toward Jerusalem and uh, they didn't accept him as he went into Samaria and some of the disciples said, Lord, you want us to call down fire and destroy him? Jesus said, why, you don't know what spirit you are. I didn't come to destroy men. I came to save men. Then you remember on another occasion, James and John's mother said, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, I think my boys deserve more than anybody else. They've worked hard, and, and uh, they've been better disciples than the others, and I want you to let one of them sit on one side of you, one on the other and in the kingdom. You remember that attitude uh, that she had? Then you remember Thomas doubting, and, and you see many things in these disciples' uh, minds here and in their lives uh, but you know, after the resurrection, I think they got a vision of the resurrected Savior. Didn't you know the story 40 days after he was resurrected and how he went back to heaven on Mount Olive and then they went into Jerusalem about a Sabbath day's journey, went into the upper room, and 120 of them prayed for 10 days. I'll be honest, I think they got some things right in those 20 days. I don't know what about you, but I can't pray without getting right with God. You know, when you start praying, the Holy Spirit will put some, His finger on some things. I mean, you may have a little bitterness in your heart or something, and you're just trying to pray and pray, and God keeps saying, hey, come on, get this thing right, get it right. And then you just have to humble yourself down. See, God just hears a man who gets humble and honest before Him. And you know, this church started right. Now, please don't misunderstand me today, but folks, I believe it makes a difference how, how things start is how they go. I was talking to a lawyer some time ago, a lawyer friend of mine. He brought up the situation. He said, you know, we have so many marriages mixed up today. And he said, preacher, he said, we have this guy. He said, for instance, said he takes off with another woman and, and uh, he says he marries her. And he said, you'd be surprised how many cases come here after a few years. Uh, uh, said Then said she begins to wonder, well... I got him away from his wife. Now, I'm wondering if he may get somebody else. And, and he said, you'd be surprised those homes are never happy. They never trust each other. You see, they start off wrong. They start off wrong. And folks, we've got a lot of local churches that are starting wrong today. Starting out of bitterness. I have never in all my life. Now, I was born, if you wanted to go through the field in the woods, I was born one mile over there. So I've been around here 61 years. And I'm not picking on any church here, but I counted a while back 16 Baptist churches within five miles of our church. 16 of them. I mean, brother, listen, we've got the churches. But I'm just saying this, uh, not all, but many of those churches were started out of malice. Now, I, brother, I'm telling you, I, I still believe individuals or churches, we still reap what we sow. And a little group who decides I don't like what's going on and we'll just have us a knockdown and drag out and a fight and go over yonder and get our little group and sing How I Love Jesus and start a church. Brother, I don't believe God can bless that thing. She's got to start right. We need to have the right attitude in our life. And I'll tell you, 
preachers, we'd better watch this thing of bitterness. I've seen preachers that the church done them bad, and they'd get bitter and critical. And I've even went to preach for churches that's been through problems, and their pastor said, I wouldn't go preach for that bunch of hypocrites. You know why? Why, he'd like to call fire down to heaven and destroy them because he couldn't get along with them. That's not right, folks. That's not right. I'm just saying, I was talking to a young preacher a while back. A young preacher, listen, you better get started right if you want God to bless your ministry. You may say, well, I just got to get me a pulpit. I think one of the dirtiest things you could ever do is to slip some people out from your pastor and go over yonder somewhere to get you a little group to preach and think God's going to bless it. He will never do it. I was talking to a young man a while back. And he said, well, you know, God's called me to preach. And he was robbing, he was just robbing his church. And I said, young man, I said, go back to that church and get on your knees and get right and tell the people I'm sorry and start right and then you can have the blessings of God upon you. I remember back yonder and I started preaching 41 years ago. There wasn't a lot of churches in the area. But I can think of fellows like Ben Farrington. Ben Farrington uh, couldn't read his name. He got saved. He broke his own liquor steel up. Uh, I mean, in fact, he called him and, and turned his own liquor steel up. Ben said, I went for three years and stunk like a polecat. Uh, he said, I, di I didn't have a sober breath. But God called him to preach. And he learned how to read the Bible. He could read John 3. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And he went up all down the country, down here in Guilford and Randolph County, and got him a little old gospel tent, not out of malice, but he had a burden for souls. Old Ben used to say there's two messages to preach. You, born, bet, you must be born again and Jesus is coming. That's about all he preached on. But now wait a minute, wait a minute. That man's in heaven now. But because he loves souls and he started those churches because people need to be saved, uh, that man organized 16 Baptist churches in those two counties, and they're going on today, my friend. I'm just saying, we need to start right. This church started humble. 120 humble people up yonder praying for God's power, needing something from God. And that's what we need. Brother Larry Brown talked about prayer, and I don't want to get in his message this morning, but we need to get back to that, folks. I've been preaching meetings for, I couldn't believe it. The other day I didn't realize I've been saved 43 years. I've been preaching 41 years. That sounds like I ought to be an old man. But I'm not. But I've been pastoring for 37 years, 36 years, and one year before I came here, a little over 37 years. And I've been preaching meetings all over the hills and halls of North Carolina for many, many years. And I can remember... My children and I used to go out a little church. Sometime we had nowhere to pray in the church, but as a patch of woods and before service, we'd go out there and get on our knees and beg God to do something for us. Now wait a minute. Most of those churches today that you go back in meetings, they're standing around talking about the braves and everything else. And then we go in church and begin to sing, Oh, how I love Jesus. And we just don't have things happen. Our problem is that we haven't got our minds and, and geared up uh, uh, for the things of God uh, and we've got away from those things of prayer. Amen. Now any church that's going to do anything, we must 
pray, and I believe that a church is going to be blessed of God, it must be started humble on our knees, praying and saying, Oh God, we want you to come and do something. Brother, that'll work. Oh, I wish I could take time, and I'm going to take a little of Dr. Hudson's time. Back yonder years ago in that little old block building down yonder, Larry was talking this morning, it was before he came here as my associate, 24 years old. But I had a burden for souls. Found out you could win them to the Lord in the home. That was a second blessing. Not too many houses around here then, but I remember those all-night prayer meetings every Saturday night. Man, 24 years old, he don't have to sleep. We'd start a prayer meeting at 9 o'clock. Listen, 9 o'clock on Saturday night, 15 or 20 men, young men. And we wouldn't stop for a donut. Be honest with you, we thought it had been a sin to bring a cup of coffee or donut in the building at that time. Now, I'll be honest with you. Dr. Fall, we used to pray all night for God's power and God's blessing. Old homemade pews, if you didn't sit right, you'd get pinched. I mean, little John is out the back, no air conditioning. No carpet on the floor. Just old cement block building. Those old windows turn out like that. Those all night prayer meetings begging God to do something in our midst. How I many we didn't pray 15 minutes and walked around? I've, many Saturday nights I've got so tired and worn out at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning. Go down the building and that, I'd go down the basement of that little old building. And I'd hear men laying, sound like hound dogs, just groaning, begging God for something, laying one over here in a room and one over there in a room, laying on her stomach, just crying and begging God to do something. And I'd go home at 5 o'clock on Sunday morning, study a little bit. Didn't take a whole lot of preaching. Boy, I tell you, things happened in that little old building. I remember those build, those room, those uh, windows was turned out. And I used to preach. Listen, we left, we left chairs in the aisle for prayer meetings, Sunday morning, Sunday night. You couldn't come in that place hardly without getting saved. And people were looking in those windows. All around that building, they'd stand and look in the window. Little old vestibule, and it was packed. Ushers would tell me, preacher, some drove around and around, couldn't find anywhere to park. God was doing something. Well, let me tell you, it took some prayer, folks. We made us a prayer list. And on, on Saturday night, we'd make us all a copy of it. And put our name, and we'd call them out to God. Frank Cardley, about two miles up the road. Old Frank got to in our church, and, and they said he was about the meanest man in the country. And I said, I want to see that Carter man saved in the morning. We put his name on there and prayed all night for him. And the next morning, he and his wife came to church. And praise the Lord. I said, you know, that I don't know why, but the ladies sit on one side and the men on the other most of the time. Just one aisle. That morning, I gave him an invitation. Old Frank, 54 years old, raised his hand. He put it down. And I, we had an invitation song, and he put his foot out. I said, boy, but he put it back. Done that three times, and that third time, here he come down the aisle. I mean under conviction. I don't mean chewing his chewing gum. I mean under conviction. Just seemed like crawled up to the altar. 
and I talked to him, he got saved. I, I've never shouted many times in my life. Man, I shouted that morning. Sis, his wife, she come from this side right behind me. And I said, Frank, I'm sorry I got so carried away, but I said, we prayed for you all night. And he said, this is what he said. He said it was time to shout, the devil got saved. That's what he said. Never had a man say that before. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. You know what he told his wife? He's in heaven now. His wife's still a member of our church. His children, some of his children's here in our church, maybe here tonight. <clears throat> he said, two o'clock in the morning, I couldn't sleep. Three o'clock, I couldn't sleep. He called his wife, sis. He said, sis, if I can live to get back to that little gospel like Baptist church down yonder in the morning, and that preacher says, come up and get saved, I'm going to come and get saved. And Sith said, if you go, I'm going too. Now, you know what happened? There were some praying people. Folks, don't misunderstand me. I believe in promotions, but let that be secondary. We need some old-fashioned praying in our churches for conviction one more time. Those men were praying and crying to God on their face down there, and God looked over the battlements, heaven, like it is in Acts chapter 12, and he sent the Holy Ghost to convict them and made them miserable, and they couldn't hardly wait to come to get saved that morning. Amen. Back here, we've always had a prayer room. About two years ago, God burdened me about the thing, just a few dwelling in, I began to put in pray. I began to put emphasis on the prayer room and the prayer room, and on Sunday night, I looked forward to that prayer room. Our service is 7.30, and we have 70 to 100 men come in to pray at 7 o'clock. I said, men, this is where it's at. This is where it's at. And boy, it's a blessing to hear them on Sunday night. I give them a chance. I said, if you want to make a quick request, go ahead. We haven't got much time. And boy, I can hear them say, thank God for ancient prayer. Thank God for ancient prayer. God still answers prayer. But folks, our church needs to begin with prayer. And God done something to me back in those early days and for 30 some odd years, every Saturday night at 9 o'clock, we have prayer around this altar for our services. Brother, I've done struck out too many times. If it's God don't come, something's wrong and prayer is the only thing that will bring God. Well, Brother C.L. Grace is in heaven tonight. He used to teach our men's class. He was from West Virginia. Like that, don't you? Old Brother Grace had some sayings. One day I was standing with a group of men that was talking. One of the men asked him, said, uh, Mr. Grace, said, do you have an outline when you uh, teach your Sunday school class? He was serious about it. He didn't know I was listening. He said, I always have one there. If God don't come, I'll need it. But if God comes, I don't need it. You understand what I'm talking about? Folks, we're raising a bunch of generation that they don't know what it means when God comes. Brother, I mean when God moves in a place. When conviction ceases on a place. When sinners cry out, what must I do to be saved? That comes only through prayer. This church was a praying church. I'll have to miss many things I'd like to say. But I want to say secondly, quickly, not only was it a praying church, but it was powerful in its witness. You know, we get on fire and stay a little while and then we quit. 
Now we have a time that we go visitation. But we ought not wait till that hour to visit. We ought to witness as we go. And we need God's power to do that. Now this church didn't have financial power. That's about all our churches know today. Financial power. Some feller, some Southern Baptist preacher stopped me over at the hospital a few years ago. He said, Reverend Robertson, I was, I was getting on the elevator. He said, you folks run a lot of buses. He said, how much does it cost per bus to run those? I said, I don't know. And he's asking me all kinds of things. He's wondering how we raise the money. Now, God will take care of that. And let me tell you, you may have a fat pocketbook, but it won't do the work. It's going to take God. And, and if you'll study this church at Jerusalem, these fellows didn't have any money. Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none. It wasn't financial power. It wasn't influential power. Why, well, they said, are these Galileans? They could tell the way they talk. And let me tell you, it wasn't educational power either, brother. Education's all right in its place, but education will not bring the power of the Holy Ghost of God. What was it, preacher? It was power that God sent in their lives, set them on fire. They couldn't help but talk about Jesus Christ. That's what I'm talking about. Brother, I've been out to visiting until I was just saying, well, I hope it's going to soon be over and sometime you kind of hope nobody's going to be home but thank God there's been a few times I've been out when the supernatural power of God was there and I said I've got something burning I've got to tell somebody about Jesus that's what we need these men here in this first church had a powerful witness my sin that friend Acts 1-8 you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall Talk in an unknown tongue, it doesn't say that. You shall be witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and out of those parts of the earth. The power of God produces a witness for Christ. You can study in your Bible. You read Acts chapter 3, verse 6. They said, shut up, Peter. He said, how can I? I can't help it. I just can't stop. I must say of what I've heard. You read on, Acts 5.20, they'd been in jail. You know where they went? Right back. Acts 5.20, standing and speaking again the words of life. Acts 5.28, we ought to obey God rather than men. Acts 5.42, and daily in the temple in every house they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. I mean, they didn't pick out the rich people, the poor people. They just knocked on every door and teach and preach Jesus Christ. Listen, men. Listen, men, we may have a lot of new ideas today, but it'll never work. I get back to the Bible. Acts 5.42, knocking on doors, witnessing. That's what I'm talking about. A few years ago, a young man called me. I don't remember what college he's from. He said, Brother Robinson, he said, we've heard Gospel Light has had a tremendous growth, and would you give me an appointment to talk with you? I said, sure. He came in with his satchel, looked like a doctor. And uh, I didn't know what all he had in. He opened up his satchel. He said, now, he said, would you give me some pointers on what it takes to get a church to grow? And I said, prayer. He put that one down. I said, a burden. And I gave him Psalm 126, weeping, bearing precious seed. He put that down. And I said, work. 
And I give him Acts 5.42. He put that down. And he said, all right. And I said, burden, work. And I give him the same thing. That young man thought that there was something that somebody had invented new that would work instead of going out and old-fashioned hard, knocking on doors and sweating and weeping over souls. But let me tell you, man will never do it any other way. That's God's plan, my friend. And I want to say this, preachers, I want to say this tonight. You and I need to practice exactly what we preach. When we get so big that we can tell them how, but we've got to sit back in the office, we're too big. We're too big. We need to get right out there every time you can. Get out there on a bus route with them snotty-nosed youngins and go from door to door. And get out, children, and pass out tracks just like you tell your people. And witness and win some souls to Christ just like you tell your people. Somehow, I don't know where this philosophy got, but somehow there's some people in this country feels like that when a church gets to be a good size, the pastor's supposed to just delegate everything. I have them come around to me every once in a while and they'll say, Now, Brother Robinson, you don't get out on the field anymore, do you? I said, sure. Well, I think you ought to just sit back and, you know. I had a man here a while back, and he called me the other day. And he said, you don't know what it meant. I don't know why he said this. He said, you don't know what it meant. He was a missionary. He said, for you to sit down on the front pew with me. I said, what do you mean, fella? And he said, well, I go to places that a church your size and the pastor wouldn't step off the platform. Oh, God help us. Isn't that sickening? That's so sickening. Well, a photographer here in our church was making a pictures in a wedding. He said, the pastor said, I can't leave the pulpit because he said, you would be reverencing the pastor and I have to stand up here. And he said, the couple that got married, they had their picture down there, but he had his one back up here. That's sickening to me. That's stupid. You want to use that word. Let me tell you, when I get to the place that I think I'm something, and I've arrived, and I've done something, brother, God's done gone. He's not going to use me no more. You just remember, and you the same way. And I'm saying that this church had a powerful witness. Now let me give you my other points. you got to quit it. Here's something else it had. It, had, it was persecuted in its stand. Now, if we stand for God, you don't have to go out and fight. You just stand. And you got enough trouble. You got enough trouble. Just stand. Just stand. You don't have to hit the man back. Just stand. And, and listen, we will be persecuted for our stand. Now, this church was a persecuted church. It was a persecuted church because it stood for the gospel. It was a persecuted. And so many things I could say about this church. And you and I will. Let's pastors. Let's forget about. Let's forget about being the man of the year. Bobby Robinson will never get that in Walkertown. Oh, no, no. Now, our church is larger, and as far as I know, we probably have more people in prayer meeting than all the rest of the churches have, probably almost or as many on Sunday morning. I'm on the radio now. I, I, I have an idea. With but now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I never intend to be popular. I, I just want to take my stand. There's a Southern Baptist church 30 years ago. Had some people left that church and came to our church. And they had a special conference meeting. 
and discussed it and decided we were not Baptists and they haven't sent us a letter in 30 years. You say, what do you do? I don't argue with them. Our people don't even know about it. It's the first time we've heard about it. They say, what do we do, preacher, when a person tries to put them down on a statement? They've been saved and baptized. You won't be popular. Listen, we'll be persecuted if we'll just stand. We'll just stand. So much liberalism and modernism going on today. I mean, you take your stand for your dressing. Listen, I mean, if women ought to dress right, dress and look like women 25 or 30, they'll do it now. If men ought to get haircuts years ago, they ought to do it now. You say, Brother Bobby, you t- that's the truth. Sometime I let loose and don't miss anything. I promise God, I promise God that I will end up by His grace like I started by Sunday. And let me tell you something, folk preachers. If we don't take a stand, I'm not talking about getting up and just rapping on something, but if we don't take a stand in our churches, my wife and I took a little vacation a few weeks ago and hunted a church on Wednesday night, and I didn't know what I was getting into. And honestly, those women, I, w- I wouldn't have went out to the plowed field what they come in there to, to church that night. I'm not, I'm not kidding. It's awful. It was awful. I mean, listen, ladies, you dress like ladies. Men, you dress like men. And if you've got a school like ours, it's a pressure all the time. Our school is 20 years old, and I said before the church, by the grace of God, I'll ask the church to stand and vote and close the doors before we'll ever make it anything but a Christian school. All around, not all of them, not all of them, but many of them have took the standards down. Our colleges are taking their standards down. Brother, it's hard today to get someone to come and, uh, and come to talk to you about teaching in your school and when they read your, your, your rules and, and uh, we've had them to happen here. I'm talking about fundamental, supposed to be independent Baptist colleges and to read and to say the ladies are to wear dresses in public and we've had them to snigger and say, I don't need to teach you in your school. God help these colleges that can't help the church stand instead of standing with us, tearing us down, and then call us a bunch of legalists. Boy, they didn't used to do that. Man, around here we preached against sin. We've got a crop of preachers now, a whole lot of them, and they say, well, they're just saved by grace. We sure are. But the grace of God teaches us some things. Amen. Man, I appreciate that message, Clarence. Say all these men. But Lord, I appreciate that, Clarence. I told Clarence. I said, Clarence. I said, told him the other day. I said, you stand in that young college like you started. Don't you compromise. And if he does, I'm gonna shoot him. That's true. We need somebody. If we will listen. We'll be persecuted for our stand. Don't fight. Just keep standing. There's been a few men in my life I'd like to be like. One of them, Dr. Lee Robinson. I've watched him. I've read how they persecuted him and talked about him and ridiculed him. And I've never read where he just kept right down the line, right down the line. Folks, we do that. We'll do that. Listen, people may not agree with us, but they'll learn to respect us if we'll take our stand. This church here, it was persecuted in its stand. It was peculiar in its fellowship. Yeah, it didn't fellowship with the Sadducees and Pharisees. Just can't do it. Not holding by, but just can't do it. You and I can't 
We can't fellowship. We have to be a peculiar. Peter said we're a peculiar people. And, and I mean, listen, you don't have to hate a man. I was talking to a friend of mine a while back, and I said, can't we agree to disagree? I, I said, I, I, I'm just like a wife. I had a young man call me back sometime with a counseling in revival two or three years ago. And he said, Brother Bobby, you're like a daddy to me. He said, how come you cancel me? And I said, because I can't go along with what you're doing up with. And I said, I don't hate you. I love you and I'm praying for you. And he said, well, boy, I don't understand. I said, I've tried to stand just like I was when you were here when the meeting before. But folks, we've got to take a stand. Let's be peculiar in our fellowship. And, and listen, sometimes we may be like old John the Baptist. We may not have men to fellowship with, but we've got Christ to fellowship with. Just stand in your fellowship. Back like younger years ago, I, I'm, a, I'm a fellow that God has given me a nation. I like to get along with people. I'm not a fighting type of man. I, I never have been. I'm not bragging on myself. God just gave me that nature. And I think our folks can tell you that. It takes me a lot. I, I just let them stretch me a long way. But after a while, I got I to gotta go. About 20, 25 years ago, I was asked with all the churches around if we'd have a union Thanksgiving service together. And I had about two of them every Thanksgiving. I, 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 felt, I felt out of place. A little formal thing, you know. I just felt out of place. And there was so many liberal preachers in that thing. And they announced to me, they said, Now, Brother Robertson, this particular preacher is thinking about he'll be leaving his church next in a year or so, and, and we want him to preach, and we'd like to have him at your church next year. They hadn't had it our church. Well, I had to know that brother didn't believe the Bible. Because he and I had always been talking. He, he was always trying to straighten me out on the thing of evolution. He just got out of college and was telling me how much he learned in college. And then he tried to straighten me out about Joan and the whale. And we'd already had some words. And he's going to preach in my poor people. I couldn't stand that. And we didn't have no vote. We, we didn't have no vote. We just, our people know we just didn't have nothing else to do with it. We just couldn't do it. And I called them liberals, and I said, Sir, I said, the man you have in my pulpit doesn't believe the Bible. He and I have already talked. And I said, God's got me responsible for that. A liberal can't preach in my pulpit. And you folks just forgive, just forget that I ever existed. And all the ecumenism goes on in Walkertown. I pick up the little newspaper, and they all get together. But gospel life's never been asked to get any sense. Now, that's all right. I'm, I'm not mad at them. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying that we can't fellowship with everything. And in this church was a preaching church. Oh, I wish I had so much to say about it. They preached Jesus. Boy, we need some old-fashioned preachers today. I love singing, but old John the Baptist didn't come playing the guitar. He come preaching. I mean, just old-fashioned preaching the Word of God. It pleases God by the foolishness of preaching, not foolish preaching, but the foolish are preaching to save them that believe. Brother, we need some men who will get up and explode for God and just preach and keep on preaching and keep on preaching. That's what I'm talking about. God told me to preach over 41 years ago. I wanted to preach so bad I didn't know what to do. I was a farm boy raised on a farm just a mile or two over here. It was in me so, and I didn't go around looking for a church. I just wanted to preach. And I used to go down there on the farm and stand up on a stump and preach. Just preach. 
the burden, come on and listen to me. Get relief. Go back to the house. God never told me you're going to be preaching to several hundred people. He said, son, preach. And that's what I want to do. And I've said this many times, if i got to go back over there on the old Robinson farm and stand on the stump and preach, I'll do it rather than compromising the truth. Just preach the Word of God, fellas. Listen, you fellas who get up and you're so afraid that everything is not going to be just in order, you ought to get up next Sunday and switch it around a little bit and start over. Back years ago, I said, we're getting too much in a form. This God, I'll just preach first, then we'll have a singing last. Just preach, folks. Just preach. Listen, we got a crop of young people who won't know what it is to have old-fashioned preaching unless we get back to it. You can have your little one, two, three outlines. That's all right. But let me tell you, we need somebody, bless God, to get stirred up about the thing of getting the Word of God out. That's what I mean. Preach. Then I want to, I've got to close. I'll give you every one of my points. Something else about this church. Its purpose. Its purpose. I don't believe was to build a big church. Its purpose was to glorify the Lord. You remember in Acts chapter 3? One boy that tried to build up old Peter. John, they said, boy, I'll tell you, you've done something. You've healed this man. Peter said, what do you mean? It's not by my power, but it's by him whom ye crucified. God raised him from the dead. It's through and by him this man who stands before you hold. Listen, folks, we've tooted enough horns. We need to glorify our Lord. And the purpose of this church, it was to glorify God. Give him the glory. Give him the glory. Keep our motives right. If your church has a hundred in it, be faithful. Keep preaching. Somebody said, well, I want to pastor church the size of gospel life. Well, if God wants you to, it will. If he don't, keep preaching, but keep your methods right and whatever it is, glorify God. I honestly believe this with all of my heart. I believe sometimes God has to slip the rug out from under us because no flesh is going to glory in his presence. And when we say, boy, look what I have accomplished. And God says, wait a minute, son, who accomplished this? Dr. Hudson, I'll give you the 9.30 preach tonight. Might help someone here tonight. I'm not boasting. I'm not proud of it. I used to tell Mom, I said, Mom, I want to be a farmer. I love farming. I, I still love it. I I don't see many mules anymore, but if we go somewhere there's an old mule out in the pasture, my wife said, uh-oh. Well, I like to stop and look at him. I like them old mules. We, we didn't use tractors. We didn't want them things. They would they just packed your land too bad. It's just coming out in those days anyway. We used mules. I like it. Mama tried to get me to get some education. I said, Mama, farmer don't need no education. I'm going to farm. But God had no other plans. Now, I'm not an educated man. I guess you can tell that the way I talk. I'm an eighth grader. I, I, I finally got through the eighth grade after two or three years. And I always felt like I ought to have been back up in the sticks somewhere with a church of 25 and 50. Back counter about 20 years ago, I really had a 
I really had a battle in my life. I, I would have never thought we'd start a school. Don't never say what you won't do. And I'm not going into that how God started this school, but He did. And I have a burden for people to get a Christian education because I missed mine. And I'm too old now. I'm 61. I'm, I'm too old to go back now. But I want my kids to get a good Christian education. And we started a school. And we began to hire people with master's degrees, educated people. And I got whipped over that. I didn't mind preaching to a bunch of hillbillies, but you know now you're getting other people in. Let me tell you something. I battled that thing, and I thought, well, Lord, should I leave this church and let somebody else step in, some educated man, and take it over? I'm willing, Lord. And it seemed like God spoke to me and said, Son, who's really brought this church this far? Now, he didn't speak in all the voice. You know how God deals with you. Boy, that hit me right between the eyes. And I said, Lord, you know, I couldn't say that to you. I said, Lord, you did. Then seemed like the second thing he spoke to me about. He said, well, do you think I'm limited? And then I thought about Balaam's donkey. Then seemed like God said to me, I can put my wisdom... In an, in an educated man or an uneducated man. Son, it's not you. It's God. And you look at a man that enjoys pastoring. Because I come to realize that I can't do it. It's him, folks. Keep these things in mind. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.